So that's my outcome measure, but how am I gonna get there? to part three, measuring up in PDSA cycles. Yeah, so measurement seems super important because we want to know if the changes and interventions we put into place actually led to any improvement. Is that correct? Yep. And we look at three types of measures. One is the outcome measure, process measure, and balancing measures. You guys never make anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it really helps us think about the problems, right, and what we're trying to fix and how we're going to get there. So I think it's really important. So, for example, going back to our key driver example, the outcome measure, you can think of it as your SMART aim statement, right? So, I'm going to decrease readmissions by 20% on 70. So, that's my outcome measure, 30-day readmissions. But how am I going to get there? So, there's multiple processes that are involved. So, for example, readmissions, there might be multiple things like... Um, that they all get follow-up calls after discharge, like they get medication reconciliation, that they get appointments that are made, that they get their discharge summaries faxed to their PCP. So those you could think of as potential interventions, and you want to measure those over time. So for us, one key process measure for readmissions was the what percent of patients actually received post-discharge follow-up calls within 48 hours of discharge. So that's a great process measure. But then you're putting all this effort into reducing readmissions. What are you going to muck up, right? So if I just discharge every kid in two days, that's great, right? What's going to happen with that? They might come back. They might come (laughs) back, right? So there's a balance between what your intervention is, your outcome, and what what the impact is on the people. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. So let me back up. So if I want to re- reduce readmissions, I just keep everybody here forever, thanks, right? Thanks for that. Yeah. I need to get kids out of the picky. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, so that's, that's really helpful. But what happens if I keep kids here forever to reduce my readmissions? Then I'm going to have other issues. For example, PICU can't get kids to me. The ED can't get kids to me, for example. So for every ying, there's a yang, and you have to be able to live with that yang. Sometimes it's okay if there's a little bit of a problem, but as long as it's not too much of a problem, and you just have to be able to weigh those risks and benefits, basically. And so when you're thinking about your intervention, you have to actually think about that up front, right? So in the PICU a couple of years ago, we did handoff, surgical handoff. So we said we would like to have handoff by the pediatric surgery fellow. And so if they're upstairs giving us report. What happens to the next case? Can it start or does it have to be delayed, right? So as you're thinking about possible interventions, think about the implications of that intervention. So your your balance measure for surgical sign-out was like the number of cases to get in the day, the amount of time to read. Exactly. Right, exactly. So time to next case start. How long does it take to get a sign-out at the bedside? That makes sense because you don't want to create inefficiencies in another part of the process while trying to make what you're focusing on more efficient. Exactly. Exactly. And it's another opportunity to think about the process. So when you're thinking about balancing measures, you may not have thought about it in your process map or your fishbone, but this is just yet another opportunity. If I do this, what's going to happen? So I'm very impressed by the just sheer amount of prep work that has to be done (laughs) before any of this has to happen. But like, do I need to, do I need to have this perfect battle plan before going in or? Perfect is the enemy of good, right? You just sometimes have to do it and get something done. Mm -hmm. And some of this is the psychology of it, right? If you spend a day in a year prepping, 
what's going to happen with your team and your stakeholders? They're going to lose interest and just give up mm-hmm. on you, Dennis, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to have decide good enough is and let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, let's tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until it is spreadable. So that's also the beauty of QI is that you don't have to wait until everything is 100% perfect. Sometimes even just a 5% improvement might be good enough for now. And that's the hardest thing we as, again, healthcare providers who've been trained with statistical values and you have to have an N of a thousand before it's deemed good or bad. That's not how it works in QI. It sounds like what you're talking about is a PDSA cycle. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> or PDA. PDA. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what we want you to do during this course. We actually want you to do a few PDSA cycles, right? So what is PDSA? Plan, do, study, and act. Okay, simple. But we want you to do it yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. So this is each intervention you sort of think about as your PDSA. And sometimes that intervention is an N of one. So you might say, I really think our project was X, Y, and Z. We're going to see if it works. So that's your first PDSA, right? And you're going to go to the bedside and you're going to say, okay, what do you think about this bedside nurse? Blah, blah, blah. And they say, I loved it. It was great. You're done. It worked. You showed you showed it was easier for her workflow or his workflow. It was easier for you to get your plan across or whatever that was. You're done. You don't need 10 of them. So then you say, if this works, what else could work? What else could we apply? Or it didn't work. It was horrible. Better that you know after one patient and one experience than 100. So it's really important to do those PDSA cycles because what you think the intervention is going to do may not help at all. So a really common pitfall is waiting for our electronic medical record to get a new (laughs) order set or an alert or a form or something in the, a new charting flow when you haven't even perfect. So another thing to consider is you want to perfect it on paper before spending those resources, Mm -hmm. whether it's IT or structural, for example, to make sure it works, right? Like think of even just making an IT alert or something. There's probably like a few thousands of dollars involved in there. Why would you go do that if you haven't even proven that it's going to work mm-hmm. first, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be as simple as let's put a sticky note on the computer every time. Hey, remember, Alice, whenever you admit a kid with febrile neutropenia, you have to do X, Y, and Z, right? And then you're going to say, hey, I did this, but we forgot to do this. Or mm-hmm. I did this, but it took too long to do this part. So let's go fix those things. And then the next time, maybe you could put some stickers on the charts, like on every computer, Hey, every time these kids come in, you got to do X, Y, Z and one, two, three, right? So then once you tweak those processes out, work out the kinks, then you can maybe start going towards the electronic solutions. So this is, yeah, getting everything like really beta testing your Cerner intervention or your ER yeah. intervention before you actually code it. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's not in your time horizon or in this project either. Anything that has to do with EHR change it's not going to be in the time horizon for your project. But that may be your second year of your project, right? After you've done these multiple PTSAs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay.